Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from listeners, people who love the show enough to donate at our website, thebittersweetlife.net, or through Patreon at patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. Support also comes from Italy Beyond the Obvious, offering travel consulting and planning services for your next Italian vacation. ItalyBeyondTheObvious.com And if you run a business, a podcast, or any other kind of artistic endeavor, and you want a shout-out from us on our show, support us on Patreon at the $50 a month level. If you've never heard this show before, glad you found us. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm a longtime public radio producer and host who five years ago stepped off the path, quit my job, and moved to Rome. That was very out of character for me. But that's where this show begins, and where we begin exploring what happens when you take a risk. What happens when you decide to begin again? Or what happens when you move abroad, or even just away? Together we hope to discover what possibilities life is still offering us. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer and an expat living in Rome for the last decade. She dreamed of moving to Rome, and so she went. No real plan other than to try. We're childhood friends, too. We met on the school bus in the sixth grade. Don't be afraid to start way back at the beginning of the show. That's when we're on the streets of Rome. And subscribe and join us today, too. We'll keep you in good company. And you might just change your life. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, we're kind of following up on the language episode, sort of. It was just sort of all these questions that were raised to me while I was putting the language episode together. And by the way, that went up that went up last week. So if you haven't listened to that yet, you might want to go back and listen to the language episode first. This isn't technically a two-parter, but you know, we might draw on some things that we talked about last week. Yeah, so there were a couple things while I was editing that episode that popped into my mind. Cuz we were talking a lot about how you and Claudio's relationship is changing based on the fact that you're speaking English to him more now, when back in the day you were speaking to him only in Italian and he didn't really know English that well, how that has subtly changed over time. I don't know, it just got me wondering a little bit more about what it's like to learn a language and navigate a business world in a just day-to-day world versus learning a language and actually trying to navigate the dating world. (laughs) And (laughs) which, you know, seems like, It wouldn't be that wildly different. But another thing we kind of touched on was how hard it is when you're first learning a language to have a sense of humor or or have any sense of other people's sense of humor or have charm in social situations. It's so hard. When you got to Rome, you were single, weren't you? Oh, yeah. And I don't know if just moving to Rome was so overwhelming that you were like, I don't need to date anybody. I'm free and in charge. But I would feel eventually... If you are living in a foreign language and you do want to start dating people and not just the expats around you, mm-hmm. is that a, a totally different challenge? Uh, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, I mean, it couldn't not be. I immediately was ready to date when I became an expat. 
I had just gotten out of a six-year relationship, less than six months before, and I had really not been single any of my adult life. <laughs> so I was I was ready to date and have, have fun. Did part of the reason why you moved when you did have to do with the ending of that six-year relationship? It was a big help because I, re- I had wanted to move to Italy with or without my ex. You know, I didn't know how it was ha- going to happen. I didn't know how we would pull it off, if we would go together, if we would, if I would go. I just, I really wanted to move to Italy. It was one of those dreams I had, you know, as you know, for years. And we broke up for totally other reasons. And in the month that followed that, in which I was very sad, because obviously he was a very important part of my life for many, many years. And it was a mutual breakup, but that, you know, that doesn't make it less painful. I kind of was like, you know what? This is the time. This is the moment. I'm free now. I'm single. Free. That's such a horrible way to say it. But free. I'm, <laughs> I'm Shed single. That guy. Yeah. I I didn't have any kind of job that was important to me, and didn't own a home, didn't have my name on the lease of an apartment even because I'd been living with my boyfriend, and so it was like this is the moment, and so that's when I started planning for real, and eventually few few months later made it happen. But so yes, in in a roundabout way. It wasn't, oh, I broke up with this guy, so therefore I must move far away. It wasn't like that. Yeah. But I I had so many misadventures, Katie. Like, I don't <laughs> even... I think everyone who dates does, so it's not just expats, but but there are cultural things as well as language barriers, you know, cultural barriers, language barriers. I don't know which is, is the harder one, but what you say about being charming is so true. I consider myself a pretty charming person, I hope, pretty clever. But in a foreign language, it's just not as easy. It's not like the repartee, you know, mm-hmm. that back and forth that you, you get with some people when you've got really great chemistry and when that person is kind of on the same wavelength as you. And if they're kind of a fast person, fast as far as fast thinker, you can get a repartee going like a Maddie and David for <laughs> anybody else who ever watched Moonlighting back in the day. I just dated myself terribly there. But I was a little girl when I watched Moonlighting, by the way, just in case. Bruce Willis and uh, who was that? Sybil Shepherd. Sybil Shepherd, of course. Yes. Yes. They did have a witty banter. Mm-hmm. That kind of repartee. Yeah. The witty banter. I just I love the witty banter. And um, it's so difficult to do in a foreign language. And I find myself even now, like when I come out with something and I, and I have good timing and when I make a good joke, I like pat myself on the back and when, when I do it in Italian. I'm like, wow, I just made a really great joke <laughs> and, I did, and I had good timing. It's so rare. So, so if that's a big part of your personality, you're going to have challenges. Yeah. So what do you use then? Body language? Do you blink your eyes more? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Lean into somebody more? <laughs> It's interesting when you think about stripping language away, what do you have left to work with? I think you kind of have to have some language. You have to have something to work with, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess some people don't at all speak each other's languages. I don't think those relationships usually last. But I have had friends who have been in relationships, you know, with Italians and who have not spoken so great. They spoke some, the guy spoke some. And I had this one friend who said, honestly, the fact that we don't have the vocabulary to really get in true arguments, that is what makes our relationship good. 
She's like, because we just, we just can't, we just can't go there. So we just let it go. We just let everything go. Well, and even you've said that you and Claudio early on had that trouble too, where you'd get into an argument and you just realize that you were out of your depth. Yeah. You couldn't figure out the words to express what you were actually thinking. Yeah. I, I, I have moments today even. Yeah. Where, you know, and I'll just say it in English. And luckily now he's to the point where he can get 90, 95% of what I'm saying in English. And he might just ask me like one word, but... But still, the, the subtext and the, the context, more than subtext, can sometimes be lost. Mm-hmm. It's a fun challenge. <laughs> so, I mean, everybody's desperately, I'm sure, thinking, Katie, why did you interrupt her? What are some of these misadventures that happened? <laughs> Tell us some stories. Well, I was just today chatting with one of my coworkers about, you know how every woman has her worst date ever? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like you kind of pull it out. Do we? I, I mean, I... I hope. Okay. You know, like everyone has their most embarrassing moment. Like okay. this is my most embarrassing moment. And it's hell when you're living it. But then after, it's a great story. And I feel like it's the same with like the date from hell. It's awful <laughs> yeah. when you're going through it. But then afterwards, you have a great story. I can tell this story. It's mildly funny. I don't think it's something, it, it's not like sex in the city worthy. It's not that funny. But I don't know that there was really a language issue there or a cultural issue. And I think what actually threw me off with this person was that he wasn't the typical Italian. And I don't mean that in a positive or a negative way, because my husband is not a typical Italian either, and I love him for that. But I do think that many Italian men have a kind of code when it comes to dating. There are certain rules, and one of those rules is that the man always pays, period. My very first Italian boyfriend, I, I don't know if I can even call him a boyfriend because I think it lasted all of a month <laughs> when I was 20 years old. We'll count it. Yeah. I mean, I counted it then. Let me say it. I kept being like, why do you always pay? And he's like, he would just look at me like I was asking him like, why are you male? Like, why are you male? Like, why do you stand up when you pee? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he just looked at me. He's like, uh, I'm a guy. Duh. What? And so I was very used to that. Claudio is a typical Italian in that sense. He, he would never let me pay for anything when we were dating. But I ended up meeting this guy at a party. No, it wasn't even a party. It was at a dinner, big dinner out with a bunch of people. And he happened to be sitting across from me. And I was talking to my girlfriend who was sitting beside me about how much I wanted to go to this opening. You know, it was some obscure art history thing that I wanted to go to the next day. And nobody wanted to go with me. You know, I was like, oh, you know, Jilly, why don't you go to this, this, there's this palace on Via Giulia that's open and it's never open. And she's like, no. And I'm asking this person and I'm asking that person, these friends of mine. And this guy who I'd never met before takes the opportunity and he's like, so I understand that you'd like to go to... Palazzo Falconieri, <laughs> or like it was. I kind of stopped. I wasn't interested, but I felt like I couldn't say no because I was clearly looking for someone to go with me, and here he is offering to go. So we went, and my opinion didn't change of him at all. You know, it was fine. It was there was nothing unpleasant about it, and I got to see the palace, and I wasn't alone. So, but I, I might have preferred to be alone. I don't know. But the point is, the point is, he asked me out on a date, like a true date. Shoot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I'll just, we talked about vulnerability with the girls from the um, Creatively Complicated podcast. And so I'm just going to put it out there. I'm just going to be honest. Speaking of which, if you haven't listened to that interview with us on the Creatively Complicated podcast. Yes. 
go and listen it's a good it's a good interesting talk yeah it's a good interview and i think we talk about a lot of things that we actually don't talk about on this show so Mm -hmm. yeah it's a different perspective on this so go check that out if you haven't already creatively complicated wherever you get your podcasts so i will be honest that i was in a time in my life when i was a little bit lonely you know like i i might have accepted dates that i didn't really want to go out with just to have something to do Mm -hmm. you know yeah i don't know if anyone else has ever been there so this is many years ago by the way obviously i've been with my husband for 11 years um (laughs) so i said yes i said yes against my better judgment and i have this thing where if you ask me out on a date i expect you to plan the date right okay fair right sure i mean i don't mind being asked for my opinion but you know don't ask me to go out on a date and then like give me the onus of having to plan it. Sure, sure. And so that's what this guy did, of course. He's <laughs> like, oh, well, where should we go? I'm like, you're from here. You're a Roman. I have lived here for a year. <laughs> but I, I suggested a place and we met there and it was just an aperitivo. So it's just like a drink with some snacks. Didn't want to go for the dinner. You know, too much of a, um, what's the word, Katie? Conversation. Obligation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We go to this really cute little bar, and he proceeds to talk about himself all night. Doesn't ask me one word about myself, which is fine. I don't need to talk about myself, but you know, he was, he was kind of boring. So it was a point of boring date. But the thing that annoyed me most was that he kept trying to kiss me at the table. <laughs> Dude, I have never, we've never held hands. We've never had like an intimate look. I mean, there are signals. There's signals that you give people that you're kind of ready to let them kiss you, right? Is this just me? Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. We have no chemistry. Zero. (laughs) We're sitting at a table together. Yes. But like, why are you trying to kiss me? And I just kept having to turn my face. He did it like three times. Dude, are you not getting the point? You would just flinch. (laughs) Basically, yeah. I would just like turn my face away. Okay. You know, I'm not going to slap the guy, but that might have been the next step. Maybe that would have been more direct. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, okay, maybe here is a cultural difference. I think that Italian women are a little bit hard to get. And they play hard to get. Mm -hmm. Not to throw them all under the bus. That's a stereotype. So they're not all the same. But it's a typical thing that Italian women will wait a long time before going to bed with someone. Which, hey, I think that can be commendable. Sure. And I think that Italian men, they kind of take it for granted that if a woman rejects them that she's playing hard to get. It's not actually that she doesn't want him. It's that she's playing hard to get. This is this game that they have. It's this dance that they have. And it's very, you know, whereas I think Americans are a little bit more direct and they're like, well, no, actually, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not at all interested in you. And if I were interested, you would know right now. (laughs) Um, Uh Yeah. So I think that could have been it. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Um, So I kept sort of flinching, yada, yada. So we get up to leave. It was a bar, right? It wasn't a restaurant. So they didn't bring us a bill. We go up to the cash register to pay. And he, I'm trying to remember if he paid for his own drink or not. But whatever was the case, he did not pay for my drink. It was just the weirdest thing. Just coming from the Italian dating world, I just was shocked. I don't have any problem paying for my own drink. I'm a grown up. But I was just very, very shocked that he didn't even offer like usually both people will offer and then one person will insist and the other person will say oh all right you know that's kind of how it works but 
didn't happen like that. That's an interesting cultural difference, actually, because in the U.S., of course, normally whether or not someone decides to pay for the other is a signal as well. If you're out to dinner with somebody and you both pull a credit card out and split the bill, it is a little bit of a, a signal that not necessarily that there's nothing nothing romantically could go on, but it is a signal that I'm I'm keeping this casual right now. You know, this is just us going out together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I definitely experienced that with non-Italian people. Like I went on a date, a couple of dates with British people or American people. And definitely if I was not interested, I would pull out my wallet like immediately to make that signal. For some reason though, with an Italian, I just didn't even think of it. You know, something that would be laughed at, you know. So anyways, I pay for my drink. Maybe I paid for his. I can't remember. And he's like, well, where should we go now? And I'm thinking to myself, uh, nowhere. I (laughs) did not really want to continue, but whatever. Well, you're just a pushover at this point. I was a bit of a pushover back then. I'll be honest, I was. (laughs) Or at least that night I was being a pushover. But don't worry, this ends well. Oh, good. For me, anyway. Um, (laughs) So I thought to myself... I don't really like talking to this person. So I came up with a brilliant idea. I had this friend, this older gentleman, who sang with a jazz band. I said, let's go. He's singing tonight at Gregory's Jazz Club. So let's go and hear him sing. And I thought, this is perfect because it's the type of jazz club where the people there don't really talk. Like they actually watch the musicians. The musicians are really the focal point. Of course, this friend of mine, Tom, who was singing... (laughs) He was like dedicating every song to (laughs) Tiffany and Andrea. Like I was like, dude, he's not my boyfriend. And it was really kind of silly, but it was fine. I was just trying not to talk to him. And I was acting like I was really into the music so that he wouldn't talk to me. And again, he refuses to pay for my drink. And I'm like, okay, well, dude, you know, I keep saying dude tonight. I don't know why. (laughs) It's not really his thing I say very often, but. Oh, and I have to say one more thing. See, my father was a very, very much of a gentleman. He had good manners. He always opened the door for a woman or let her walk in front. Like, he was just very good about that. You know, I always looked for that in a man, and I always have. In Rome, the sidewalks are very, very narrow. And sometimes you can only have one person walking on a sidewalk. It's that narrow that you can't even have two people. We'd be walking down the sidewalk, and if I were a man, I would step back, right? Yeah. He would step in front of me. And every time a car would pass, he would just push in front of me. It really bothered me. So guys, if you are listening and you need some dating advice, always step back and let the lady walk in front of you. So anyway, we're getting ready to leave. It was very, very late by this time, definitely after one o'clock. And we were in the area near the Spanish Steps where, you know, at that hour, there's really nothing going on. There's no buses. You know, it's just dead. My eyes are peeled for a taxi at this point. And he says to me, how do you plan on getting home from here? I lived in Trastevere at the time. It's all the way across town. It's too far to walk at that time of night if you're a woman alone. And I said, "Um, I think I'm just going to get a taxi. And he said, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, God, what is he going to (laughs) suggest? I mean, this has been a horrible date. Like, he cannot but know this has been a horrible date. I have rebuffed his every advance. I have not engaged in conversation more than is necessary. Uh, There's no chemistry. (laughs) And he says, well, you know, I live slightly out of the city. And I didn't bring my car because I didn't know where to park on a Saturday night. And I'm like, and I should care because? (laughs) No, I didn't say that. But he said, yeah, I really would hate to have to take a night bus. 
And I, you know, he just waited for me to offer. Apparently he was waiting and I didn't. And so he said, well, do you have like some corner of your apartment where I could just sleep for the night? Are you seriously suggesting that? Are you crazy? And at that moment, as I had that thought, because I didn't say it out loud, this cab comes by and I throw out my hand and I hail the cab. Have a great night. Bye. (laughs) I jumped into the cab and I was like, go, 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 go. And he was left on the street alone. And he never called me, which is good. The best thing that could yeah. come of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably my worst date that I can think of. Were there ever any major misunderstandings because of your lack of language or your lack of uh, navigating the dating world of a totally different culture? I don't know. I, you know, maybe I've blocked it out. It feels like it has been so long ago mm-hmm. that I was dating. I feel like we should have someone on one of my single friends who's in the dating world right now because like I never did Italian tinder oh I did you know what I did do (laughs) way before tinder existed before smartphones existed I did speed dating you did in Italy I did in Italy I did oh my god I did I did speed dating one time oh my god it was the most horrible (laughs) it was oh my god it was hell it was awful but my friend convinced me to do it she's like oh come on you know the way to convince me was i was like these are men who are like really busy because they've got great careers they don't have time to lose i'm like all right fine (laughs) um and so we went and it was like every single conversation was exactly the same me saying, yes, I'm, I'm from America. And them saying, wow, that's interesting. What brought you here? And me having to say what brought me here. And then ding. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. It was so, it was awful. But I did get a kind of crash course in like how the average Italian is on a date without having to go on that many dates, which was nice to avoid. But Katie, this is the thing. I have dated very, very, very few Americans in my life. Yeah. I can maybe think of two. No, that's the unusual thing about you. And that's not just because you were living in foreign places. No. You just were always attracted to foreign people. Yeah, my first boyfriend was American. We were together for three years. And then that was it. I had a short, I wouldn't even call it a relationship. I had a romance with an American here in Rome that lasted a number of months. And that's it. I don't think I've even been on a date with any other American besides those two. But it's not just Italians either, right? No, 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 it's not just Italians. When I was living in, in the States, I um, I had a, a Puerto Rican boyfriend for a long time, and there were others. There was definitely a, um, a Spaniard in there somewhere, <laughs> a Sicilian, which I count separately. So that's interesting. Does that mean that if we're talking about culture and dating, does that mean that there's something about the American male that you don't really like? Or do you think it's circumstantial? No, I don't think it's circumstantial. No, I'm a xenophile. I've always loved people who are different from me, culturally different from me. I love the foreign language. I love the accent. Whether they're speaking a foreign language or whether they're speaking my language with an accent, I love both. I love the differences, the cultural differences. I think it's exciting. It's sexy. Dating someone so much like me from my culture just seemed boring. Strangely enough, dating an American in Rome after I'd been living there for three or four years, I guess, by that point, that was the novelty. So that was actually kind of fun. I was like, wow, this is so novel. <laughs> I can actually I can actually speak my own language and, and I can be charming and clever. And actually with, with that guy, I, we really had a great banter. Mm-hmm. We had a great repartee. I enjoyed that. That was one of the things probably I enjoyed most about that quote unquote relationship. 
But no, I've always liked foreign guys and it wasn't on an accident that I dated so many for sure and a married one. Yes, yes. Have you ever dated a foreigner? Um, I've been on a date while I was in Vietnam. I don't know if we ever talked about it. I don't know. I mean, that doesn't really answer your question. Like, have I ever actually dated a foreigner? They could have been living in the United States, but they weren't American. I don't think so. No. I've dated several mixed race people who had an immigrant parent, but I don't think I've ever dated anybody who was just visiting or or who had moved here from somewhere else. Yeah. But I did go on one date in Vietnam, and I will say that that date where it led nowhere, um, obviously, because I was only in the country for maybe two weeks at that time, it was an ongoing relationship with somebody. Uh, those of you who haven't been listening for a long time, I used to go to Vietnam twice a year. And over that time, there would be people that I would see over and over and over again. And eventually one of the people that I knew was the bartender at this one bar in a hotel that we often stayed in. And we were there, we showed up again and he had the band sing a song that was dedicated to me. And then I looked over at him and I'm like, would that kind of like, what the heck? <laughs> Look, and he was, you know, very embarrassed, of course, but also was laughing at, at the fact. And it was sort of his way of opening the door to being friends, I think. He had spent... Um, a lot of time uh, working on cruise ships before he got this bartending gig. And so he had been around a lot of people speaking English. So his English was great. And I think he liked the idea of having somebody to practice it with or more friends that were English speakers. And he was very cute. And he asked me out on a date. And my dad, who does now listen to this podcast, <laughs> though he didn't before, uh, I don't believe... Dad, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that you knew that I went on this date when we were there. So he was a bartender, which means, you know, if you're a bartender at a, a largely American hotel in Vietnam, it means that you stay up until about two in the morning, mm -hmm. closing the bar down. And he had asked me to go out with him after he got off work. I had a friend with me and so I said, well, it doesn't seem like too big of a risk. I've known this guy for a year or two. I have a friend who knows that I'm going to go on this date. And so she can let people know if I vanish. We know where the guy works. Mm -hmm. He <laughs> got off work at 2.30 in the morning, called my room. I went downstairs, jumped on the back of his motorbike and took off into the, into the night of Vietnam. And it was the first time where I felt like I had a sense of what it would actually be like to live there and to be a young person in that country. Not just a visitor, I mean, I guess. Yeah. That insight into what it would actually be like to live here and have friends here. Oh, I think that's such a big part of it, though. That's a big draw of dating a local. Right. And I felt that totally the first time, my first little Italian boyfriend when I was 20. Yeah, we had till like seven in the morning or something, or six or seven in the morning. And so what did we do? We went to a cafe that was still open. We ate pho sitting on the sidewalk. We went back to his parents' house and watched a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's another thing about Vietnam is that everybody lives together. And so you're, you also had this sense of... yeah what it would be like to be a girlfriend while the parents are asleep and you're still awake and it's four in the morning and, and you're sitting downstairs and he slept in the middle of their living room. His bed was in the corner of the living room. So we just sat on his bed and watched a movie and the sun was rising. He drove me back to the hotel and I <laughs> went in and met everybody. You had a good time. Yeah. Kissed some. Really? Kissed a bunch, which was nice. And then of course, over time, you just lose track of that person. We didn't go to Vietnam as much. You know, we didn't, 
talk when I was gone. It was just, it was never going to be a real thing. Yeah. It was just sort of a eye into what it would be like to have a real life here. A lot of the people that we were there visiting were not in the same economic spectrum as me. Like my dad was there doing a lot of charitable work. A lot of the people I was friends with there were really, really poor, which is not to denigrate them in any way, but it wasn't like people with my exact experience. There was a difference. And Quan and some of these other people I met at that time were the first people I'd met that felt like if I lived here, these would be my friends. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was just sort of an interesting picture into the country yeah, yeah that's cool but i don't have any other experiences dating foreign people but it's funny what you said really it really made me think when you said that that that's one of the main reasons i mean it's not like i so the guy this his name was gaetano the first italian i ever dated i was in italy for a summer doing a music program i'd met a whole bunch of italian people with this other american girl i was with we met these really great Italian people, and they took us to this really cool bar. It was actually a nightclub. It was like, it was during the salsa rage. And that is where I met this guy, Gaetano, who was Sicilian, but he's living in Pisa. He's studying there for university. He was an amazing dancer, and he had a scooter. And it was the most exciting thing that ever happened to me. I mean, up to that point, at anyway zipping through the streets of Pisa or Lucca. I was living in Lucca. He was living in Pisa. And Pisa is kind of an annoying city to be a tourist in because, you know, everybody flocks to the Tower of Pisa and it's like, okay. Um, but it's actually a great city to live in as a young person because it has this huge university and it's just got a lot of great nightlife and it all unfolds around the Arno River and everybody just sits out along the Arno. And I just felt like, wow, I'm like really living Italy right now. It wasn't just because I was there for a month instead of a week. It was because of this guy. And uh, he totally broke my heart, like trashed my heart. But it was so worth it. Do tell. Was that he did a... the uh, <laughs> old-fashioned version of ghosting. If you could ghost back in those days, that's what it was. He basically ghosted me. And I called him. And I was like, what's going on? I thought we were going out of town for, this week, for the weekend. And he's like, no, huh. I can't. Okay. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you breaking up with me? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Great. But I wasn't okay. I was devastated and I sobbed the next week. Yeah. And then I met some Spanish guy in Spain and it was all fine. <laughs> I hope my mom's not listening to this one. Um, I don't know. She, she doesn't know about these stories. Have you ever ghosted anybody? I would never do that to someone. Could never, would never. Well, what about if it was that guy, the guy that you were talking about earlier, the terrible date? Andrea. What if he had gone to the restroom and you had just jumped in a cab? I just... I don't know. I feel like that is just, I'm just not that rude and cruel. It's hurtful. Yeah. I only did it once. Oh, you did? Oh, sorry. <laughs> cruel you. No, where I vanished on somebody? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I did. I did. Well, can you tell us? I think it was a first date. Is that an excuse? Because um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it doesn't sound like an excuse to me. He was actually my hairdresser. A wise friend had told me that you should never go out with your hairdresser. Mm. This is why. Because <laughs> um, then you can never go see that person again. Yeah. So I knew him and I always had found him attractive and we decided to go out. And I was just getting the weirdest vibes from him the whole night. Kind of oddly possessive. He was... We were with other people. It wasn't just us, right? So I didn't just like leave him alone at a table. Oh, okay. That's a bit better. We were with a group of people. But he was oddly possessive he kept saying things that made it sound to his friends like he was definitely going to be sleeping with me by the end of the night and Ugh. 
Okay, I, I forgive you now. And I was just like, how am I going to get rid of this guy when this party is over? Kind of like with your guy being like, hey, can I sleep in the corner of your room? I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. He was just in the middle of a big conversation with his friends. And I walked outside just to get some fresh air. Mm-hmm. And a cab stopped and dropped somebody else off uh-huh. at the same bar. And I just got in that cab and left. Yeah, sometimes those cabs are sent from God. And he was so mad. Yeah. It must have probably taken him like an hour to realize I was gone. <laughs> but when he did, he called me up and he just screamed at me on the phone. And the whole time I was just thinking dodged a bullet here you know i I didn't even feel like bad about it yeah i understood why he was angry but i was thinking also boy this is a side of you i never would have suspected and i'm so glad i'm not anywhere near you right now yikes so yikes it was that spidey sense where you're like this is a bad situation you know it's leading to nothing good so i'm gonna just go ahead and vanish and i don't think i would have done that if i hadn't gotten that feeling you know that made me think of a story this isn't my story was friend of a friend or something. She was dating someone. They were not a necessarily an established couple, but they'd been dating for a while. And she invited him over for lunch or dinner. And, you know, it's funny because I invited Claudio over for lunch after we'd been dating for a month or so because he had never let me pay for anything, not even a cup of coffee. And I was like, listen, I know you're never going to let me pay for a meal let me make you lunch. And I made him like, this really fancy lunch. And he thought I could cook. And it was great. That's why he married me. And he discovered that I can't cook. No, I'm just kidding. But it, the, the truth is, I, I'm not a very good cook. But I did make that one good meal. Uh, that works, by the way. No. <laughs> but anyway, so she is Italian. She's Southern Italian. And Southern Italian women, you know, they like to cook. They like to take care of their partner in that way. And so she made him this huge, elaborate meal And the guy halfway through the meal was like, you know, I really need to go out and get a pack of cigarettes. I need to smoke. I don't have any cigarettes. And he went downstairs and he never came back. Isn't that awful? And we have no idea why. No, he eventually, I think she eventually called, they eventually heard from each other. And he basically just said, oh, uh, I was feeling overwhelmed. It, It was too much. I think he maybe thought she was wanting to marry him or something. And it's like, dude. I understand that too. Yeah, I totally understand that. But you could be polite enough to sit through the meal. Right. I mean, you don't have to marry the woman just because, you, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't agree with that. But I, I can only identify with that because I can remember once being asked out by a guy. I've broken up with people who are a little bit too overt in their, um, I don't know. It's not their romance. It's like cheesy romance. It's like what they think should be romantic. Not that they're actually romantic, you know, these over the top gestures. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you give us an example? Oh, gosh, I could give you so many examples. But let me just tell you about this guy before I forget. So this one guy and, you know, another terrible date, actually, and the only time I ever went out with this guy, he asked me out in the hallway in high school. So you're already a little awkward, right? Because mm-hmm. it's high school. <laughs> and, and he asked me out and I was like, uh, I guess. And he freaked out. And I don't know what he was thinking like if he thought i would find it romantic or something he's like you will oh my god she's gonna go on a date with me instantly mortified and i'm like no i really don't want to go on a date with this guy and everybody's kind of just looking what the heck is going on as they're walking by in the hall and then i had to actually go on a date with this guy it was just awful needless to say i never went on a date with him again i mean another example 
it's maybe it's like people learn to rein it in a little bit after high school and early 20s because i think in high school with asking people to homecoming and stuff it amps it all up huge gestures of romance and yeah i had the boyfriend once who he should have known better i was a sophomore in high school he was like he was a freshman in college showed up at my school carrying a boom box on his shoulder oh god was it like when say anything happened oh my god no he was just playing music walked into the middle of the hall sang me a song gave me a dozen roses and the whole time i'm thinking what is he doing here what what, what's going on and is he asking me to my school's homecoming because that was the only thing that was going on nearby and after he was done with the song he gave me a hug and he said happy anniversary and i said what (laughs) we don't even dating a month and at that point i was thought to myself this guy's got to go. See, Katie, that is such a shame because I was the opposite of you back then. I would have fainted in delight if a guy had done that for me, especially a guy I was dating. I did not really date in high school, as you know. Yeah. I guess, I don't know, I was a late bloomer or something. But um, I we didn't go to the same school, I should say. So I didn't go to this big public school with lots of kids. I went to a very small, very repressed, religious, private school uh, where I knew all the boys since we were uh, in kindergarten together. So, you know, that might be part of it. Oh, my gosh, that kind of gesture the flowers, the music, the serenading, I would have lost it. And I still love that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't like if it's totally manufactured, but if there's any little bit of it that is genuine, I love it. There's a tradition in Italy. It's that when you get married, a couple of weeks before the wedding, you do a serenade. The the groom does a serenade to the girl. And I mean, this comes from a long tradition of actually singing and having your friends with their you know mandolins or whatever their guitars come with you and you stand beneath the bride's window and you sing to her and she has to give you a rose to my still girlish 14 year old heart I love that I just love that but it's gotten a little bit tacky over the years so now what they do I've been to one this is how I know because now what it's not a surprise everybody knows when it's happening maybe the bride doesn't know but everyone else knows tons of people come to watch everyone you know shows up but they don't really sing anymore unless somebody happens to be a great singer which is you know rare so either they have like a karaoke type of thing going on or sometimes they actually bring like a professional singer and you maybe sort of sing with the professional singer. It's really tacky music now. But still, I'm like, we went to one, Claudio and I went to one, and one of his colleagues. And I was like, Claudio, you have to serenade me before we get married. And he's like, <laughs> don't even think about it. It's not happening. And I was like, what? He's like, it's the tackiest. Uh, I, I, I'll never do that. I could never do that. Because to him, like, he didn't see the, like, old-fashioned romantic side. To him, it was something normal that a lot of people do that he found really cheesy. To me, I mean, nobody in the United States serenades anyone except for your ex-boyfriend. It's totally romantic to me. So I did not get a serenade. And I, and I really was like, please serenade me. Like, you can play the guitar. You can sing a little bit. Just serenade me. Like, you don't have to invite everyone you know. And he didn't do it. I was very upset, but I got over it. And I think that's one of the reasons I sang to him at our wedding. He didn't serenade me, but I will sing to you. 
Yes, that was nice. I don't know. I think there's a difference between romantic gesture that's inspired by you or by the relationship that you have versus a romantic gesture that's just coming from whatever. From a movie that you saw. Yeah. Something that worked in the past. Yeah. Something that worked on the last girl. That's kind of the difference of of it for me. You know, it just felt like a well-worn path that wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. It was for some other thing, for some other reason or this invented idea of what romance is when you as a teenager haven't really figured it out yet mm-hmm. yeah it felt more like that that particular person who's a very nice human being it was just like one thing after another after another like that and it just i i just knew i needed out <laughs> <laughs> it could also yeah. been because i was 15 and he was 18 or 19 and i was thinking dude you're in college what are you doing hanging out with me yeah doing all these grand gestures and stuff go be in college yeah yeah (laughs) anyway so i did want to ask you one thing though to end in this episode so long but it doesn't matter but flirting wise when did you learn know that you were a good flirt in italian oh i or did you ever know i guess (laughs) well i know now I don't know, Katie. These things are so hard to put your finger on. Flirting is something that is, in general, so hard to put your finger on. Like, mm-hmm. what works for some people doesn't work for other people. Sure, yeah. And I do think a lot of flirting is nonverbal. It's in the eyes mm-hmm. and the touch of the hand or... yeah. It's not always verbal, although I think that the banter is a big aspect of it and it can make it very fun, Mm. but I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. So given that, I mean, you didn't date a lot in high school, but you were definitely a romantic and I don't know if you want people to know this, but you definitely watched a lot of soap operas and you were certainly into (laughs) romantic dramas and stuff. A lot of costume period pieces. Yeah, a lot of costume period pieces, a lot of moonlighting. A Room with a View. I was obsessed with A Room with a View and moonlighting, but mostly A Room with a View, impromptu. Yeah, so it's in English that you cultivate this this sense of witty banter. Uh So does that mean that in English, witty banter is different than witty banter in Italian, if you're flirting? It's definitely different. I mean... It's different, but it's the same. I don't know, Katie. This is so hard. It's 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 so, but it's also so hard because I haven't, you know, I haven't had very many experiences with with Americans, with people from my own, even people from my own language. I think I went on one date with a British person, mm. and I think that that is the extent of my English language suitors. Wow. <laughs> um, Amazing. The, the two American guys and the, the British guy. It's really hard to say. I really haven't had very much experience flirting in English. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. So interesting. Well, if you are currently trying to date in a country that's not your original country, Mm -hmm. we want to hear about it. Let us know. I mean, I guess you could tell us if you're just trying to date in general. Or if you're trying to date someone (laughs) or you are dating someone in your own country who is not from your country. Yes. The complications of that, the joys of it. We want to hear your stories. You can write to us at bittersweetlife at mail.com, M-A-I-L.com. You can also find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. You'll find us. Yes. And visit our website, thebittersweetlife.net. You can also write us through that. And if you are so inclined, you can donate to the show there. Or you can join us on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. There, there's a whole bunch of prizes 
I just sent out a whole bunch of stickers. Uh, I got a second type of sticker, Tiffany, did I tell you? You told me you were going to. But now I'm sending out multiple kinds of stickers to people. Exciting. Anyway, uh, there's a whole bunch of different levels there. So check that out as well. It's um, Patreon, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the Bittersweet Life podcast. And if you're trying to start a business or a tour company or something like that, be like Madeline Jawar, who supports us at the $50 level, so that we mention that you should use her service. It'll be beyond the obvious. And we can do that for you too. Well, until next time, be safe, everyone. <laughs> I'm like, what do you say? Be romantic, everyone. Be authentically romantic, everyone. And be witty. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Marks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes. Subscribe to the show. And pledge your support at patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast. And for goodness sake, interact with us on social media. Just search for the bittersweet life podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or send us an email at bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at mail.com. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, send us a letter there too. Our logo is by Jody Rick at the Lost Laboratory with help from our muse, Caravaggio. Talk to you next week. Bye.